Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. How confident are you when it comes to life's biggest money decisions? What is real financial peace and how can you get it? Chris Flaming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. They bring together the brightest minds to show you how to have a more confident financial future. They empower listeners with common sense concepts and financial wisdom. And now here are your hosts, LPF Advisors. Okay, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host here, Chris Flaming, as always. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Emmanuel Galamidi to the show. His Florida-based firm was founded on the idea that everyone should have access to the same level of representation that large companies are afforded. Specializing in injured clients and their families, Emmanuel, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm sure you have an interesting history of kind of how you came to be where you are. I'd like you maybe to take me through what led you to where you are now um, with your with your own firm. Sure. So for maybe the last, well, for about 15 or 16 years, uh, maybe a little more than that, I worked uh, on behalf of insurance companies, manufacturers, retailers, designers, et cetera, uh, landlords, defending claims. Um, and uh, I decided after a conversation with, with a, a friend of mine uh, and kind of going through what really mattered to me and what I thought was important for my practice going forward, I decided mm-hmm. to to put it plainly, switch sides essentially mm-hmm. uh, and, and only represent plaintiffs, uh, meaning those folks who had been injured or, or their families in the event that the injured party had passed away. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that um, here in a little sure. bit. So is there maybe something, uh, an event, you said a conversation that helped you yeah. focus specifically on you wanted to, you know, zero dial down on this field of law? Sure. So um, the all the work for the, well, the vast majority of the work that I did when I was a defense lawyer um, was defending companies against personal injury claims. That was a a large part of my practice. Um, But you mentioned the conversation I had, and part of that conversation dealt with a a couple of cases that I had referred out when I was a defense lawyer. I'd gotten some people that had called me, said, hey, do you know I need a lawyer for X, Y, and Z? It's happened a number of times over my career, but the last couple of times I I paid a little more attention, if you will, to what was going on because I didn't have any conflicts either you know, business or, or obviously legal. Um, so I was a little more involved, let's say, in, in the goings on. And ultimately, when when both cases resolved, one was, a, that was kind of a smaller case. The other one was was a, a larger one. I saw that the I got to see it much closer, the uh, beyond the cutting of the check, let's say, and turning it over to plaintiff's counsel and forgetting about the case. I got to see a lot of the difference it made, I should say, in in people's lives mm-hmm. to be able to kind of get back on their feet, uh, pay off some medical bills, um, and do some other things they want to do for their family. And I got to see that a little bit more, a lot more up close as opposed to on the defense side when you're, as I mentioned, cutting a check and moving on to the next one. So that really, it, uh, it, it I think it kind of chipped away at the last piece, mm-hmm. I think, in my mind that needed to be opened up to what, what could be and, and how I could really help people because I had seen also over the course of my career, a lot of folks just kind of getting the short end of the stick simply because they were dealing with, you know, a large firm like ours and, and, and not maybe getting full value, let's say, for what they could have gotten. So mm-hmm. that, that was all kind of marinating, if you will. And then those last couple of examples just 
put me over, you know, over the, the threshold, if you will. Okay. So I can kind of tell from your answer there and your passion, you probably have no regrets. Meaning, you know, you no. haven't looked back and you're, you're very happy you made that decision. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Okay. So if you could go back in time then, maybe to talk to the younger you, what's the advice you would give to the younger Emmanuel? Something you know now you wish you knew then. I don't know how long you have for this podcast, but I'll truncate it down. <laughs> All of our to, regrets. To... <laughs> All of our life's regrets. Yeah. So I'll, I'll truncate it down to, to this specific area. Um, honestly, I, I don't think I'd say anything in regards to this particular decision, only because I think it took all of that time for me to really be invested, let's say, in this mm-hmm. decision and the experience I have in dealing with the other side of the, of, of the V, if you will, uh, gives me a tremendous advantage and uh, in, in, uh, expertise in helping folks now kind of navigate things and, and, and predict what's to come to some extent. Yeah. Well, and they often say the best way for you to argue for your point of view or for, to advocate for somebody is to fully understand the other side. Not, not that you agree right. with that, but you fully understand it and how they approach things and what their opinion and where they're coming from it. That's I'm sure right. that makes it, makes it an invaluable experience doing all that for all that amount of time. Yeah, it, it does. Because then when I'm dealing with, um, you know, with a large corporation or, or you know, whatever the retailer, whatever they are, or an insurance carrier that I may have crossed paths with in the, in the, you know, in the past, you know, they know of me or know who I am. And mm-hmm. so um, it's tough to tell me today that my evaluation of a case is wrong when, let's say a couple of years ago, you believed it was right. Yeah. Um, so uh, so it does help me with, with, um, with my credibility. Yeah. For sure. I can see that. So do you think there's maybe some common misconceptions that people have about what you do or what you can do when you represent them? Yes, I think the most common, and this does to some extent go away over time, uh, meaning during the process of a, of a claim or a lawsuit, is the expectation that I or anyone can can deliver justice, if you will, or you know, fully compensate anyone for for a loss. And this is, the, and when I say this, I speaking more to, you know, uh, wrongful death claims, uh, claims where folks have ended up as quadriplegics, paraplegics, those sorts of things. There's, I mean, I could, you know, a jury can award $10 billion. It wouldn't make any difference to those folks. So because they um, trade it, they trade it for being well. Yeah, of course. So, or having their loved one back and and, and that sort of thing. So, so I think that's kind of maybe the the one misconception is that it'll make it right. It doesn't, you know, I think Mm -hmm. the jury coming back and saying, someone did something wrong and and then you know it's the cost is x the first part of it i think is what helps people is is an acknowledgement by six or 12 jurors depending on what you know where you are um mm-hmm. district or state court that yes we agree with you plaintiff this you know this company did something wrong and so we're going to um we're going to compensate you for that but it's really the first part of it the dollar part is is important yes but you know not not as much so yeah. to answer your question i think it's the misconception that somehow I'll make things right. Uh, and I can to some degree, but not not in the entirety. Yeah, and I'm sure you have to um, maintain expectations with the people from the beginning on, yeah. based on your experience, what you think would be a would be an ideal outcome. Yeah, and maybe somewhere in between there, but this is probably, you know, the best that we can hope for. Yeah, they want that. That's that fairness thing where we all want what is it, justice for other people and mercy for ourselves or something like that? Yeah, and it's correct. And that that's actually something I was thinking about 
uh, earlier today when I was kind of getting my, my mind ready for, for our conversation was one of the things that as a defense lawyer gets drilled into you is to manage expectations for, you know, whether it's a carrier or an insured retailer, whoever it is, because you have to, you know, every so often you have to issue a 30, 40 page reports explaining what do you think about the case? What don't you, you know, whatever it is. And then, okay, what, what's the value on the case? So that's drilled into you so much as a defense lawyer that now as a plaintiff's lawyer, uh, it's second nature for me. I can kind of give an average of what I think a case will be worth depending on factors and then things change and you, you know, increase it or decrease it. But that is a critical component. I think in life is setting expectations, uh, but yeah. certainly with what I do. Yeah. I know that helps a lot in marriage. Say again? Oh, <laughs> that helps a lot in marriage. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Though. That's but, a different episode. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So maybe just des- describe an ideal client for me. Um, sure. That, that you like to work with. Sure. I'll focus. I think what you mean, unless I'm wrong, is kind of personality temperament. I think someone that, um, someone who's grounded, who understands that things take time, that if you want the, the verdict or the larger settlement, it's going to take time and effort. I think that's probably the, the ideal client, irrespective of age or injury. That's the kind of second, second in importance is, do you understand this is going to take time? And if you do, then that's a good client. Yeah. And when when people are looking for the right advocate in these kinds of situations, what do you believe are some important things that they need to consider? Sure. I, mean, I think this is something that most people say, well, experience is obviously mm-hmm. important. Uh, and there's lots of, you know, lawyers around the country with lots of experience. I think, though, the willingness and ability to give you a... Um, a reasonable expectation for your case because of a lot, you know, and, and then be able to meet that expectation because a lot of lawyers will say, Oh, your case is worth a million bucks. And then you get to uh, to mediation, which I'm sure you're familiar with and, and your yeah. listeners are familiar with when you when two parties come together, trying to work it out. And all of a sudden that lawyer's, you know, banging on the table, telling you to take $50,000. And it's like, Whoa, where did this come from? Yeah. You know? So I think that's, that's <clears throat> critical. Those numbers change and things fluctuate, but I think that's important. Transparency uh, is important. I think the the last one, maybe maybe the most, I'm not sure, depending on the client, is responsiveness. I try and get back to people as quickly as I can because I know how my personality is, and I know that I like to hear from folks. And and whether it's a repair person or whoever it is, you know, I I, I want okay, you're showing up at one o'clock. Okay, I'm expecting you at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I try and kind of think if it was me, what would I want? And I would want my lawyer telling me if they're going to call me at one to call me at one, or if it's, if they can't at 1230, they let me know, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be calling you at one thirty. Is that all right? That sort of thing. I think, I think responsiveness is, is a big deal for, for our firm. It's, it's critical. Yeah. And I, I, well, and I think in professional services in general, that's kind of almost a lost art. It used to be a given and now the yeah. responsiveness and the courteousness, you know, and the respect with, I'll call you then, or I'll let you know way before that I can't do it. What used to be taken for granted. Now it's like, Oh, if you do that, like, Oh, this guy, this person's really good. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. just like the baseline before. So, but now yeah. it's like impressive. <laughs> yes. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. When, when people are like, Oh, that's yeah, Thank you for whatever well, it is. You I'm called like, five minutes early. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, in my mind, I'm, I'm sweating bullets. If it's, if I'm going to be late by five minutes, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know what, how am I going to explain this to somebody? And so yeah, no, I hear you. I understand it. It's true. 
So then when people then work with you, I like what your process is. You kind of talk about the chapters, the description on your website, you know, of a, of a case. And I'm not asking maybe to go through all those in depth, but maybe just give sure. people who aren't aware um, in a personal injury type situation, those chapters that you talk about on your website. Sure. Um, I think, you know, the first would be obviously, you know, the, the, the conversation, you know, explain to somebody, well, hey, finding out what's wrong and, you know, what kind of medical care they've received, what they might need, um, and then explaining the process. And, mm-hmm. you know, okay, this is a case where we believe it should resolve early on. Let's I'll give you a very basic example, like a, a rear ender where there's yeah. clear liability. It's not an issue. And then, you know, it's just a matter of what the damages are. Um, but explaining, and if the case is different, explaining what those processes are going to look like and whether you expect to have to file suit, what those timetables look like, what their involvement is going to be um, in the process, because it's not a matter of just giving it to your lawyer and then checking in in six months. It's a lot more to it than that. Um, so ex- explaining the time cost as well is important and and the aggravation that comes with litigation. A lot of people don't, don't realize that it's taxing. Uh, for, for those of us who do it, it's kind of part, it's part of the profession It's what you sign up for is the a versus b uh but being a or b is takes an emotional toll on people irrespective of what side you're on um i just wrapped up a case where uh there was a unfortunate incident where someone passed away and the owner of the property was you know was also pretty distraught over the whole thing and and you know my client's family was saying yeah you but you were to blame because of x y and z um, and so there was a lot of emotion on both sides mm-hmm. and that takes a toll on people. And, and I want folks to understand if we're going to go, as long as this is going to take, have a reserve, let's say, uh, because you're going to need it. Yeah. Both, uh, financially and emotionally, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if, emotionally and in, in my instance, I, the, the client, I've advanced all the costs. So for the client, there's no, there's no out of pocket, but, yeah. uh, there, except for, you know, if, if, if they're paying co-pays or deductibles, you know, they're going to be paying those anyway, but, yeah. but there's a lot of involvement, a lot of back and forth, a lot of emails, you know, so there's, it's more than just signing up and then, you know, I'll see you in a year. It's, yeah. it's not like that. So do you think that that consistent com- communication transparency is the biggest tool you use to kind of help de-stress the process? Yes. Uh, because when people get answers to their questions, they are less agitated period. Yeah. And if, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to set expectations in that regard because you, you want to clients know that you have other clients. So if I can't get back to you today, I'll get back to you tomorrow. So I try and set those expectations, mm-hmm. uh, typically not more than, not longer than a day or two. If I get, you know, if I can help it at all, but that is important because what you don't want is you don't want a client asking you one question, then a week later, another question, then a week later, another question. And now there's all this anxiety built up about the three or four things that they haven't, that they need to know about, even if mind you, those things aren't affecting their case today. Yeah. So from a, from a professional standpoint, there's nothing wrong with them not having those answers now, mm-hmm. but from a relationship standpoint, it, there is a problem because now it's, they're anxious about this question and they're anxious about the other one. And now they're nervous about this other third issue. And like all of us, we create all these you know, chaotic circumstances in our yeah. mind and these worst case scenarios. And now I've multiplied that by three because I didn't get back to them. So the sooner you can diffuse a question or a concern, the better, because another one's going to come up and you don't want them kind of stacking yeah. on each other. Right. Well, and what have they said? Like 80% of what we worry about never happens, but that's not how our minds work because we're always thinking no. worst case scenario. So absolutely. Are, are there some, what do you think are some common 
fears or concerns that people commonly encounter when they initiate with you and you start working to them with the case? Like I'm imagining, well, I, I just want it to work out this way, or as long as this happens, or, you know, as long as X, Y, Z occurs, then I'll feel better. Or I'll feel okay. I'm sorry. I, I heard the first part of it, but I got, I got, yeah, that's okay. So what do you think are some common fears or concerns that people okay. encounter initially when they're working with you? Okay, sure. So I think one that comes up a lot is, okay, I'm treating, you know, with a doctor or, or whatever it is. Here's my doctor. Here's what I'm going to for whatever the issue is. Um, but I also need to work. You know, what's going to happen if I have to still make a shift or two to pay the rent or, yeah. or, or, or buy groceries? You know, is that going to impact my case? That's one that comes up a lot. Um, and I explained to them, listen, you do what you need to do, uh, but speak with your doctor, make sure that, that, you know, you, you understand whatever limitations he or she is, is putting on your, on your work, if you will, whether you're a, an Uber driver or a construction worker or a, whatever it is you are, you know, make sure you understand those restrictions, do the best you can. That's between you and your doctor, you know, whether it hurts your case, you know, it's going to, it's going to depend. And it's, it's not a matter of hurting your case. It's us being able to then explain, look, yeah. you know, my client had to go to work because if she didn't, she was going to get evicted. So yeah. she pushed through the pain and explaining that. And, and a lot of times I think that resonates with people because it shows, you know, you're doing the best you can. You're not just sitting back waiting for a check. You're going about your life, hoping to, to be compensated for this injury. And yeah, you, you may have been still cleaning houses or whatever it was, uh, but you were doing it in an enormous amount of pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. Um, Cause the, those accidents that are not picking out the types of people that are happening to them. That's why they call them accidents. So everybody's in different situations from their life circumstances. Yeah. Okay. So let's shift gears just a little bit. I'm wondering, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently on the tort reform that has occurred in Florida. So maybe just like on a high level, um, give us an idea of what changed and then what impact you think that is going to have maybe on the industry and on clients that you work with. Sure. So I would say the, the biggest change, it, it, probably the easiest one to, to, to explain um, to most folks is the difference in comparative negligence. And, and what that basically means is before tort reform, um, let's say you were involved in an accident and you had a, you know, you, the jury, you asked the jury or the lawyer asked the jury for a hundred dollars as an example. Right. And the jury found that, uh, 99% of your injuries were caused by your own negligence, meaning um, whatever you did wrong in the accident, running a red light or running down the stairs instead of walking, whatever it was, they felt that you were 99% responsible. Okay, so the jury would then take that $100, reduce it by 99 and, and issue a verdict, uh, a judgment rather, for, for $1. Finding yeah. you know, negligence on behalf of the defendant or on the part of the defendant rather, but awarding you a dollar. Okay. Today, if it's 50 you know, 51% or more your responsibility based on the jury's view of the facts, there's no recovery. Mm -hmm. So if they feel, um, you know, let's say, you know, nobody knows if the light was red or, or, or yellow or what have you, the camera was out that day, whatever it was, or whatever type of accident it was, if the jury says, I'm sorry, sir, you were 51% at fault for this accident, even though now you're rendered a quadriplegic, uh, you get zero. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's probably, there's some other significant changes Um, but I would say that's probably the biggest one. Uh, the second one is in, in terms of bad faith, which uh, is a little bit of a wonky issue, but it's essentially when an insurance company doesn't do what they're supposed to do to protect their insured, the 
before in Florida, you could simply just file a lawsuit for bad faith uh, and make those allegations and, and hope to recover more for your client than the policy limits. Today, it's a lot more complicated and it appears to be a more difficult process to do that. We'll see how things play out in the courts yeah. and how the, the judges interpret the statute. But I would say those are two of the bigger issues. Okay. Thank you. No, that was good. I appreciate that. Sure. So then as it relates to maybe your practice or going forward, what do you kind of view as the biggest opportunity for your business? So maybe future goals of your firm or the practice? Sure. I think that because cases will be to some extent more challenging than, than they may have been, depending on the facts, I think that a lot of lawyers who as an example, uh, practiced probate litigation and did some family law, and then on occasion did a personal injury case here or there that, that kind of walked into their office. I think those lawyers may refer those cases out um, more more often than not now because they're, I don't want to say that they were easier or they're harder, but there's more to do now, if you will, yeah. on certain types of cases. So they may say, you know what, I'm going to refer it out to, to Janie or Johnny or whoever it is that I know uh, and then, you know, and let them, let them take care of the client. I think that's one of the, one of the impacts. Okay. And then maybe on the flip side of that, Emmanuel, um, an obstacle or a challenge from, um, in your business that you're yet to overcome something that you want to tackle. I would say scaling and kind of making sure I'm doing it the best way I can. Like in any business, you're going to stub your toe here and there. That's, that's, you're not being honest if you're saying you're doing it right all the time, right? right. So, uh, so I think that that's that's probably my my biggest challenge is, is scaling as quickly as I'd like to, but also you know with with some caution tape around here and there just to make sure that I that I grow and I'm still able to take care of clients the way that that our firm was designed to do. Yeah, do it the way you want to do without. Yeah. What would you say without forfeiting your values or the way you like to run the business? Okay, right, right. Okay. So it, yeah, what God? Oh, well, I was gonna say one thing I, I'm I'm not is I, I don't have a mill practice where it's you know 500 lawyers and you know that's one of the complaints I've seen from from a lot of some clients that come over is they hire these enormous firms and they don't speak to a lawyer ever. They speak to like yeah. a case manager, an assistant to the assistant, maybe the paralegal, and they've never heard from a lawyer, even though they've had a case for like two years. Right. Yeah. How many, so how many support people do you have in your practice? So it's myself and then everyone else uh, is it's, I'm the, I'm the one attorney and yes. then everyone else is, uh, is just virtual. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Lean and mean. I like it. Yeah. So now if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, my website is www.galimidilaw.com. Uh, my office number is 786-442-2873. Uh, I'm using most forms of social media, but the one I'm most active on is Instagram. And that's uh, at Gallimidi. So at G-A-L-I-M-I-D-I uh, underscore L-A-W. Okay. And I was on your website. I look at a lot of websites. I, I will give it some props. I was actually very impressed. So lots of good info oh, in there. You. Well organized. Um, very professional. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So, Emmanuel, listen, I want to thank you for coming on today, taking the time to be here with me. It's been a pleasure to thank have you. you. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we hope to raise 
the financial education and knowledge of everyday people to another level one show at a time. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Be well, take care. Emmanuel, thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.